Okay. Thank you. Again, let me start again. Ron, thank you. And John, here's my invoice. Oh, I'm sorry. I've already done that. Okay. Pull this closer to your mouth. Okay. Why didn't Noah go fishing while he was on the boat? Anybody have an idea why Noah didn't go fishing? He only had two worms. Now, Cindy laughed at that. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. What do you call a sleepwalking nun? A nun is a Catholic lady that uh, uh, teaches and slaps fingers. Uh, that's a, anyway, you call a sleepwalking nun a Roman Catholic. Okay, good. I got a couple of. Okay, Clyde, I'm going to know. Now, why, why did. What did God do to cure Moses' headache? Cure Moses' headache. He gave him two tablets. Okay. And the last, I know it's, uh, how, how much time do I still have? Oh, I'm still, yeah, I turned my thing off, so y'all got to stop me. Where was, where was Solomon's temple located? On both sides of his head. Okay. Uh, I, forget, I forgot to do this prop. This is in honor of, of Mike Easley. When, when Mike Easley came up and talked, as he always wears a hat, he had his notes on the bill of his hat. But, but I, you know, I, I couldn't get it up there. So, Mike, but I wanted to let you know I was thinking about you. That was a couple of years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. And Wayne Bartley gave me this book to help me with my daily task, but it was incredible use for me in coming up with this talk. So thank you, Wayne. It, it, I did use it. It was free. That's right. One thing I, I've gained a lot of respect for, which I had to begin with over the years, but in preparation for this, uh, Ben Wright asked me, I think, back in October if I would start us off the new year. No, no, I got it. I got it. I'm okay. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. If, it do, if I do it one more time, you can give it to me. Uh, just, I finally got serious uh, doing this you know, a couple weeks ago and started trying to go back over my life. So, for Jonathan and Ben and other people that have the courage to step up there and the, and the uh, will of God to speak to peace, thank you all. Thank you all very much. I have more tremendous respect for you. Well, anyway, my title was Patience in the Process. Uh, I started thinking about some older guys before me that uh, God tapped on their shoulders to to do something special for him. And uh, one guy I thought about was uh, Joseph. Genesis 37. Uh, he goes from the pit to prison to the palace. That took him about 13 years, uh, Google tells me. So 
you know, that was a long time. Moses, in Exodus 7, 7, took him about a year for the Pharaoh to, that was, he was finally convinced to let uh, Moses and the people go. And then they were in the desert for 40 years. So that's really patience with process, in the process. David, he was first uh, told that he was going to be uh, king when he was about 10 or 11. Then, and he you know, had to go back to being a shepherd. And while he was shepherd, he learned the skill of throwing out the rocks because he had to kill a bear and a lion. But at 19, he killed Goliath. And then at 30, he, um, he became king and he ruled for 40 years. And he had his ups and downs, but he was, he was, uh, he was God's messenger. What we learn from all these people is life is a process. Things don't happen right away. You just have to be patient with God. Try to, and you should talk to him every day for a while. Some people recommend up to an hour to be with God. Have books around you, and then you've got to have time to have God talk to you and tell him what he, what you, what he wants you to do that day. I know there's, I know we're all going to be living a long time, but each day we need help. Uh, my story starts, I'm in my 75th year. I was born August the 6th, 1948, and that happens to be a feast day of the uh, Transfiguration when Jesus took James and John up to, Peter, James, and John up to the mountain and was transformed. Uh, so, is that bad? I don't know if that's special or not, but I, you know, I remember it every year. So uh, God chips away at our, uh, at our situation and tries to get more of a voice. My mother was a devout Catholic. My father was a Presbyterian. Uh, my mother was born in Memphis. Her family came over from Ireland in the late 1800s. Uh, back then, uh, the rule was that if you're in a mixed marriage, then the Catholic of the family is, is that's how they're supposed to raise their kids. So, uh, and I've got four younger sisters. Everybody's still alive. Um, and uh, so, we went to both Catholic schools all of us went to a Catholic school and we also went to a Catholic high school. So I had a depth of faith because I heard about it, heard about uh, religion and the Catholic way uh, for what, 18 years? And then, uh, then I went off to high college and boy, things changed. Uh, but with that, that depth of faith never left. And I basically became numb through my college years and then had a low draft number, uh, had to sign up for the Navy. Uh, and while I was out in San Diego with the Navy, some friends of mine came out to visit me who 
uh, were bartenders with a place called Friday's that had just opened up in Dallas. And they came out and they had money coming out of their pockets and it was a, what a lifestyle they said they led. So this is 73, so a few months I was in Dallas, Texas being a bartender. Uh, probably drove by 100 Catholic churches and never, never stopped in. I was full of myself. I was looking the material world, the uh, going greed and lust and smoking pot and uh, drinking and carousing uh, for about a year and a half. And I just I got I got tired of it. One of my uh, one of my customers was on the executive board of a camp for the mentally retarded and physically handicapped. It was called Camps or Optimist. It was 30 miles outside of Dallas in a community near Denton, Texas. And I get, I don't know, thinking back, I guess maybe it was God that was pushing me on. I, I didn't acknowledge that, but Anyway, I quit bartending. Boy, they were surprised. I was on the fast train to become a manager. They were going to move to Houston. But I had had enough. And uh, so I went up and worked a summer at Camp Seroptimist. Uh, it, that was a women's club. And then they started this camp for the mentally retarded and physically handicapped. Had a great time. I was 24. And this Denton State School was not too far from us. So, and I didn't want to go back to bartending. So in August, the camp director hired me as maintenance, assistant maintenance. And boy, I didn't know anything. You know, I hit trees with the tractor. I, uh, uh, I unplugged the swimming pool, not knowing what it was. And anyway, somehow I suffered through that, that, uh, that school year, it was from August till May, but I had started volunteering at the state school, and uh, maybe it was God. I, you know, I'm thinking now, I'm, uh, I mean, I was on a path. Somebody was telling me what to do, okay? So I, I guess it was God. I mean, I, I didn't realize it at the time, but uh, Again, I think I was under his wing, and uh, even though he may have been an obscure, um, obscure in my life, he must have been leading me because looking back over my life, there was a reason that I was going from bam, you know. So I started working at Denton State School. Um, I was in uh, recreation. There was a lady there who worked it was like 23 buildings, and they had, each building had a special uh, population in there. And uh, this lady named, I met this lady named Cindy Williams. And uh, I was somewhat athletic, and we played on the softball team, and she came. Uh, she had been married before and had, uh, her son Mike was three at the time. And uh, about three years later, I was smart enough to marry her. And uh, 
So we started that part of our life. And uh, at the time, I was in the painting business. I had graduated from Denton State School because I, I got tired of working with uh, people that were smarter than me. And uh, <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, but, but I graduated, a friend, of, a friend was a painter. I said, man, please, you don't even have to pay me. I, I, I need a break from, uh, from this. And uh, so he hired me and we did good for four years and I married Cindy in, during that time. And then Sharon Williams hired me to be a assistant manager and uh, there in Denton, Texas. And uh, I'm glad maybe God had told me to do that because, let's see, we were married in October of 79. Mike was part of the package deal, two for one. I saw an ad in the paper, and that's how I got that, but along. But anyway, but then 1980, Kate was born. 1981, Beth was born. In 1983, the twins were born. And Sharon Williams paid for all of them. So that was, uh, that was a real blessing. Okay, so this is roughly 1986, and we had been going to the Catholic Church uh, in Denton, Texas. When Cindy and I started dating back in 79, she was away from her Baptist church. I was away from the Catholic church, and uh, we said, well, okay, since we're starting to have kids, let's go back to church. And so one week we would go to the Baptist church in Denton, Next week, we go to the Catholic Church in Denton. And Kate was born in 1980. And by 1981, while we were doing this, evidently, when we were coming home from church one Sunday, she reached over the uh, front seat and she said, I like being a Catholic. I went, that's, you know, that's, that's what we were raising her was to. So Cindy uh, converted. And so then we started going to the Catholic Church. And... Uh, uh, I was with Sharon Williams. Um, then I got an opportunity uh, to uh, become a stockbroker uh, with Edward Jones. And that was out of Denton in 86. I had to move somewhere. I couldn't stay in Denton. So I lived in Memphis. I had, you know, that was my roots. So in 86, uh, we moved back to the Collierville area. And my mother-in-law was really upset because I took half of her grandkids away. And, uh, but she, she finally rectified it with me. And, uh, but then we, we were going to the Catholic church in Collierville and then, uh, we were doing okay. I was somewhat successful. Then the market crashed in 87, October of 87. Boy, that was a, that, we didn't see that coming. So I've struggled with that till April of 88. And I said, man, I got to get, you know, I, I'm, I don't have any money. I've got to find something else to do. I went to Sharon Williams in Memphis and they didn't have the same position available. So Cindy, we're looking in the newspaper and we, we, uh, had multiple jobs. This was my desert, like Moses. I, uh, from 19, uh, what, let, me, let me check my notes so I'm accurate. 
remember anyway, from 1986, uh, okay, when I quit Sherwin-Williams to, uh, anyway, it's about 13 years that, uh, yeah, 1989, I, I was going through, I must have had five or six jobs. I mean, she was, uh, she was a champion to hang on with me. Uh, but we had five mouths to feed, and I was trying to hit a home run with every job, but it didn't happen. 1998, uh, we joined Get Well because of my Kate, who was 13. She got to uh, be friends with uh, this Methodist group, and so we joined First United Methodist Church. Let's see, where's Robert McCord? He was a member. Well, who else was a member of Yeah, First United Methodist? Huh? South, excuse me, South Haven First United. Um, and then in, um, what year, uh, I'm trying to think of what year that was. Anyway. Anyway, we joined here in January of 1998. Okay. So this month is 25 years that we've been here. Uh, and I, I enjoyed joining groups and uh, Michelle and I met, and I, I was on a in a play called Godspell that was here. Uh, I participated in helping build a softball field out back. Uh, with your where's uh, where's Ron? Yeah, Spring had me on on the stage, uh, children's ministry for a while. Uh, let's see what. Oh yeah, I, I'm the get well painter. Okay, we painted most of this place over the last, uh, I guess, 20 years. And then, uh, then we, a uh, group of us, uh, Brad Butler in 2006, uh, it was Joe Fox that really was a spearhead. He said, man, I went up to this uh, Thursday morning meeting up in Memphis at South Haven, or Second Presbyterian there at Poplar in uh Goodlett, and he said, man, it's a great group. We need to start something down here. So Brad Butler was the associate pastor, and Gary Browning, and are there some other people here that were part of that original group? Anyone? Who? Bill, Bill Evans? Oh, God, was Bill Evans? Yeah, really? He knocked on so many doors. I forgot, I forgot about Bill Evans. Yeah. I'm sorry, Bill Evans. Anyway, we started, uh, and Brad... Butler started a, a study on Revelation, real easy. Um, he had notebooks, and it, it was very well done. So that was kind of the seed that was planted. And uh, so then slowly, uh, slowly but surely, we kept meeting every Thursday. And I kind of figured that uh, we've made over... 1,152 pots of coffee in the last 16 years, okay? Um, but yeah, we were, uh, let's see, Bill Beavers, uh, well, we had Joe Mansfield, and then, yeah, that's right, uh, then Bill Beavers. Um, but in the course of sunrise growing with people, Marvin Baker jumped on board and uh, started for some reason a ministry in writing recording and he would send out email an email every week after after the speaker and did a great job 
Sometimes the speaker said, man, I wish I would have said that, but you know, you said it a lot better. Um, but it, it, was, it was an amazing gift that Marvin had. Then he started prayer reminders. And every day we have updates of prayer reminders. I know we've all prayed and we've, we've added, you know, Daniel's request. I'm sure that'll be on there. But right now I'd like to stop and let's just give Marvin a round of applause for all the work he's done. Oh, it's great. I mean, it, it, you know, we see it, I see it every morning. I'm sorry I don't read it every morning, but I see Marvin Baker's, you know, but I'll do better, I promise. Um, so, 2022 was an epic year for Cindy and I. Uh, after uh, many years of praying in the morning with her for our spiritual growth, our kids, extended family, church, employees, prayer requests, and hopefully answered prayers, neighbors. Um, in the midst of that year, two of our children had moved out to California. And in July of 2022, they both moved back in different places, one in Germantown, one in Collierville. So here, here we got our whole family back, a total of 15 people, uh, you know, five kids, three in-laws, and five grandkids. So they, you know, so the farthest away is about 40 minutes. But we could never get together from July until uh, October 31st. Uh, Cindy and I, you know, and we were in a small group with Bob and Sandy White. Uh, Bob and Sandy White did it first in, in, in July, but we were also committed to show a public profession of faith. And when I was, you know, uh, up there before Jonathan dunked me, you know, I looked out and I saw our, I saw our whole family. There and then the, the friends behind them standing up. I didn't think about it at the time because uh, John said he's been wanting to do this a long time and um, I, he was wanting to stay, you know, I'm not sure how long I was going to go down there, but uh, I'd, I'd practiced in my bathtub uh, before he did it. <laughs> so I had 30 seconds of breath I could hold. But he did a good job. He did a good job. And uh, uh, then seeing Cindy get baptized uh, with Hunter doing her. Uh, and then, you know, like uh, with the prodigal son, uh, he had the fatted calf to eat. Boy, I took him to a Mexican restaurant. And so we all were, all 15 of us were there at a Mexican restaurant. So, so we enjoyed the meal. It was great. But... Uh, through all of that, um, I guess a couple of final things that I said. Life is a process, and God is always with us. Now, it's, it's up to us to know that God is always with us. God's not going to call us or text us 
we have to sit down with him in the morning, clear our mind of what's happened, and then really ask through uh, the Bible and through uh, quiet prayer to ask God every day, what do you want me to do today? And then we have to listen for the Holy Spirit's answer, okay? Because he will answer you. But are we able to, you know, uh, pay attention? And that's a, and every day we have to do it. It's not, just not once a week and when we're here on Sundays. Uh, but it's a constant reminder. And then having friends that you... Uh, you see every Thursday, uh, the cooking team, uh, the people that you eat, eat the breakfast with, and then the message. Uh, it's, just, it's just part of the quiver that we're trying to fill so it'll sustain us when we leave here and face the world and all of its issues. So, one, th one final thing I want to say. God, that's my fault. Sorry, podcast listeners, you don't know what I'm talking about. But <laughs> this is a this is a quote that I, I I still stay in touch with the Catholic faith priest and all just every now and then. But and, you know the the uh, Pope died, uh, Pope Benedict XVI, and this is something he said in 2005. Being Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty idea, but the encounter with an event, a person, which gives life a new horizon and a decisive direction. Keep that clear and all will be well. Lose sight of it and nothing else in the long run will really matter. So, we have to keep sight of it. And that's by praying every day and listening to the Holy Spirit and following what he says. Thank you.